1: Good day, Jules. How are you doing? Going very well. You know, it's it's really funny. Uh, I was having coffee at the local this morning, and, and the guy that runs the coffee shop is uh, a mad, mad sharks fan. And mm. he's saying, uh, you know how well is Nico Hines going? All these touch." said, Moylan. People were talking about pushing Matty Moylan out the door at Cronulla. It's a new lease of life. And then another guy who knows him said, "Oh, mate, but you know what? Imagine if they had Reynolds there as well. well Reynolds and Moylan. And Reynolds and Hines. They're talking about that, and they're." A bit of a sliding doors moment between the two of them, Nico Hines and Adam Reynolds, where the two teams meet this weekend.
0: Yeah, look, that, that's right. Exactly. Our headline is sliding doors. Uh, we have a picture of Nico Hines in a Broncos jersey and Adam Reynolds in a Sharks jersey because it actually could have happened that way um, if things had been a little bit different. Yeah, that's right. So they play against each other this round. And um, it, that's right. So Adam Reynolds was a hot target for Craig Fitzgibbon at the Sharks. When he came on board, um, but chose to go with the Broncos, saying it was, um, you know, the challenge of sort of ending the Broncos premiership drought. But the the longer contract and the um, fat contract helped as well. Um, it turns out that Hines had um, was probably pretty close to signing with the Broncos as well. They were interested in him as a uh, five eight or a fullback. That they couldn't match the money that. Um, Cronulla was able to give him to play halfback, so um, yeah, it, it actually could have been the other way around. That, that um, if um, Adam Reynolds had decided to stay in Sydney with the Sharks, he would have been in a in a um, it, the Sharks might not have been able to afford Nico Hines. So yeah, Sliding Doors moment could have seen him the other way around. But look, if you're a Sharks fan, I think you're pretty happy with the way things have ended up. Sure. Um, Nico Hines is probably the buy of the year so far. Um, for the Cronulla, and doesn't seem like Reynolds is really sort of able to turn things around like Broncos fans had, had
1: hoped up there. I thought his second half against the Dogs is pretty good, though. Reynolds, to be fair. He was, he was excellent.
0: Well, look, uh, Jules,
1: I thought we weren't going to talk about the dogs tonight. So <laughs> no, That was the message I got, got no, look, through earlier. Sorry, I shouldn't have met. His second half on, uh, <laughs> what was it, Friday night? It was very good. Let's, let's forget about the opposition. Yeah, it's funny, though, isn't it? I mean, rugby league or sport in general is littered with these what if moments. You know, what if he'd gone to this club instead of this club? You know, I can go back to the 80s. So, what if Mark Eller did decide to join the Dragons?
0: Absolutely, yeah. yeah. That's. He probably, well, I can tell you, I had dinner with Mark Eller once, and he said that, that the money was right, but he was terrified about having to play against someone like Wally Lewis, so he decided uh, he better not come out of time.
1: Didn't Mark Eller say that he spoke to Wally, and I thought he said Wally was the one that probably tricked him out of it. Is that right? He, he, uh,
0: that's You know, yeah, that was probably right.
1: your story, Simon, that I've read, and I thought, where did I read that? Where I... It was a wonderful piece. That's but I can right. The they were
0: obviously... <laughs> They were obviously schoolboy uh, teammates in the um, schoolboy team, so uh, yeah. they actually knew each other well. And Mark Ellen knew how tough all his little sauce was as a player.
1: Yeah. You know, it's interesting, uh, Nico Hines, it was always questionable. Nobody doubted his talent, but he never really played. He never played at halfback for the Storm. They saw him as his great 14, but he said, Look, I grew up playing in the halves, I want to touch the ball more. Mm. And they've They've built a game plan around him, and he's had so many touches um, for a halfback in this competition, and he's going from strength to strength, and I wish him well. I wish him well. And the thing is, I mean, it's an embarrassment of Richards for New South Wales coach Brad Fittler at the moment in terms of who he uses on his bench because he's just flooded with high-quality, versatile footballers. Now, obviously, the Trell Mitchell is out. He was playing left centre last year. Tom Trebojevic was playing right centre. So the question now for Fittler is this. Do you pick a left centre? Or Turbo being that good, he could play anywhere. You could shift him to the left and you pick a right centre like a Tony Staggs. But presuming you keep Turbo on the right, in terms of form, you think of that game between the Sharks and the Eagles, and everyone's saying what Talakai did in that first 40 was the best 40 minutes I've seen from a centre in... Arguably, a decade.
0: Yeah, it was incredible. Look, our feature in the rugby in the league central lift out tomorrow is all about Talakai, and as you say, based off that first half last week. But it's based on the idea that every coach now is going to is manly looking around at their roster for their back rowers to try and turn them into a centre, just as Craig Gibbon did. Is Talakai the prototype for the modern centre? Or is he just a one-off? This is a question we're asking now. He is five foot ten, which is is a hundred kilos. It's complete opposite of a say a Joey Manu, who kind of looks more like um, you know the Ferrari physique rather yeah, than yeah. The, the the battle tank, the wrecking ball. So, um, but look, the thing people don't realise is I think they think that Talakai is just a manufactured centre, but in fact, he's played centre almost his entire life. Uh, um, It's a great story from Paul Crawley. It goes right back to his junior playing days, uh, where he played for the Mascot Jets in a team, where he played centre, and he played in a team that didn't lose a single game for 13 years. They won every grand final. They won every regular season game. And Palakai played exactly the same way in that team as what he's (laughs) played for the Sharks. So all of these junior coaches, which are quoted in this story, like we've seen all this before. We saw him do all these 13, 14, 15, 16. So um, in fact, we were able to dig out an old um, article that The Telegraph ran in 2016 on that uh, Invincibles team. Um, coached, um, funnily enough, by former South player Darren Brown. So, mm. um, um, And it featured uh, Remus Smith was in there. Yeah. Um and there a few others. Uh, uh about Cameron Murray. Even played a few games in, in for that junior team, so <laughs> it was a pretty uh, quality team for uh, you know a, yeah. a part-time kid who probably didn't have much aspirations to suddenly have to play against that that mob in juniors. Is but he- um, he's he's a great story, and um, it's a re- it's it's a really good piece in the Telegraph tomorrow.
1: It's funny though you talk about the 13 years of the mighty mascot Jets playing that similar role. You can just picture it, can't you? Just going back in time, it would probably resemble. The carnage would resemble what we saw uh, at Shark Park there on Thursday night. It's just... Oh, very similar. Yeah, you know, I mean, I
0: think we might all have stories of playing junior footy against a kid who looked like he was older than everyone else, and um, and uh, that was probably Telekai. But, look, this is what sport – it's not just footy, it's what sport does. Um, when Brad Clyde came out, every coach tried to find a an 80-minute lock who could sprint up and down, you know, did everything, scored tries, chased down um, runaway fullbacks. Um, it, it's what happens in sport, and this is just kind of the latest example of, um, you know, trying to find, unearth the next Talakai. I'm not, I'm not sure it,
1: it, there, there will be too many of them out there. Yeah, they don't fall from trees, do they? You've got to credit John Morris too. He was the man. I know he's not in the Sharks' frame anymore, I think. Is he over in Souths now, isn't he, Johnny Morris? But, um, you know, you've got to right, credit yeah. him for the one that, that brought him over to Cronulla in the first place.
0: Absolutely, yeah. He he actually Salakai um, scored his debut in 2016 for South. Um, scored a try with his first touch um, in the NRL actually, and sort of drifted away a little bit. So, um, look, I think rather than I, I think it might have been a case of people not understanding what this guy's natural position was. Um, you know, shoving him into the back row where they should have just kept him as a centre because he didn't look like a centre. Yeah. Didn't mean he wasn't one. Wasn't so, um, yeah, hopefully it's a lesson that, uh, you know, NRL first grade coaches are talking to um, all the junior pathways guys about, you know, where did this guy play when he was 15 years old? Let's mm. keep him
1: there. Mm. If the shoe fits, you know, I mean, we can remember back in the day, not Talakai-style players, but, you know, a Chris Mortimer-style player. You know, it wasn't the attacking mm. centre, but the defensive centre that would plug a hole so much so that you got picked there for origin. And it was that thinking that I absolutely. think got Bennett to convince the New South Bolshear to pick Bo Scott in the centres a number of years ago.
0: Oh, absolutely. That's a good call, yeah. Look, I remember the other example I can think of on this sort of thing is if you remember Willie Mason when he emerged when he had the big afro, and he, he was a wide-running back rower yeah. who no one could stop. And then... They just decided that he, because he was 112 kilos and six foot five, whatever it was, well, he's got to be a prop. You know, props. That's what props weigh. Mm. So he's got to be a prop, and he was
1: never the same. I yeah. don't think. Oh, Willie. Speaking of Canterbury legends, uh, Gus Gould. So <laughs> I've noticed he was trending a bit earlier this evening. Phil Gould. Uh, oh, he's getting he... a bit more hands-on there at the kennel.
0: Wasn't he, as well? <laughs> It's the kind of thing I think a lot of people were waiting to happen. So yeah, the, the story emerged today that um, Gus Gould has uh, ripped has turned up on the training paddock and ripped into the um, underperforming Bulldogs players. Uh, you know, the suggestion is that it's sort of undermined um, Trent Barrett's position as head coach. yeah, um, the people, the, the reason we tend to get a little bit hot under the collar about this sort of stuff is because it's happened before. Um, where gus gould has been involved um with clubs not as a coach but as, in, as some other position, but sort of found himself um you know pointing in angrily on a on a training field it happened at the roosters when ricky stewart was there um he got pretty caught up in things involved with the coaches and, and scenarios at um penrith so the fact that it's happened Again, to the team that's on the bottom of the ladder, has so got a lot of alarm bells ringing. But there's two ways to look at this. Uh, one is, yeah, sure, Trent Barrett looks like he's been undermined, and you know, you can't imagine that, uh, you know, Gus Gould would storm onto the field um, with Bozo Fulton coached manly teams, for instance. I can't imagine him doing it to Des Hasler, for instance. Mm. Um, so that's one way of looking at it. The other way is that, well. I've lost six games in a row. They're bottom of the ladder. They've made some pretty big signings in the offseason and it's not working so far. So you've got to do something. You've got to try something. And bo- both men uh, seem pretty adamant that um, they're cool with what happened today. So um, I guess all we can think is the point uh, is see what happens on the weekend. But the point's kind of been made that what happens now is if the Bulldogs win, it, you know, it's Gus Gould. Oh, cool. yeah. Right. Uh, um, not Trent Barrett. So it's a tricky
1: one. Um, well, you're a Canterbury fan. How do you feel about it? Or well, you're not that fast?
0: Oh, I'm cool with it because yeah. I kind of think that's one of the reasons you get Gus Gould to Correct. your club. He's got that wealth of experience. So as long as it's okay with Trent and and he's not um, – feel, feels like he's being pushed down the pecking order, mm. then that's okay.
1: Well, Gus, Gus is trying to explain it. He said, well – he was looking at them training. He said they were a bit sluggish, and I said to Trent they needed to liven up. And then he said, "Well, Trent threw me the whistle. I was wearing jeans. It was a bit of fun. Not sure that my yeah. 1980s approach will change the world, but it was a fun." And he said I'd do anything, Trent. So he said Trent asked me to do it. So there you go. So, but you know, Gus is a fascinating character, and he's forgotten more than most of us know about the game of rugby league. So, you know, I, you know, I'm a Dragons fan, Simon, as you know, but um, yeah, the dra- the Dragons and the Bulldogs have had a great rivalry over many, many decades. I'd love to see the dogs back. I think the game's healthier. Mm. The game's healthier with a strong Bulldogs club, honestly. And when they're, oh, going, well, they're...
0: obviously, I believe you
1: too. It sounds like uh,
0: uh, people talking about England in cricket, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, whoa, look, whoa, people, whoa, you know,
1: whoa, 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 whoa. Let's go <laughs> I'm going nuts here, please.
0: <laughs> look, I just think that the, the, the dogs were so strong in the 80s and 90s and well, a fair portion of the two thousands but um it just sort of seems weird that they're not contending, I think might might be how a lot of people who are neutral on this believe. But um yeah. They have been they have been such strong contenders. They made grand finals in two thousand twelve and fourteen. They were consistently making finals for another five years after that and now it seems like a long way back. But um uh,
1: Yeah, you'll be back. Yeah, I mean you got Kickout and Marnie (laughs) coming next year. I think you'll be okay. You'll be okay. Yeah. All right, mate. Always good to chat. Thank you so much, everybody. Pick up your copy of the Daily Telegraph tomorrow, especially for a Sharks fan. Uh, Plenty of great stuff in there. Thank you, Simon. We'll catch you next week. Okay. Cheers. There he is, Simon McLaughlin, the deputy sports editor of the Daily and Sunday Telegraph. So yeah, there's a chance that Hines could have been at Brisbane, Reynolds could have been at the Sharkies, Talakai is the prototype for a new sender, and uh, this old gus Gould. Coaching saga, for want of a better term, there at the Ken. Look, I think he's probably blown up a bit out of proportion. If Gus says, or well, Trent says, mate, give him a rev up or have a go. He says Trent asked me to do it, I'll do it. But if you've got somebody of the knowledge of Phil Gould at your club, given the history that he's had with the club as a player and as a coach, I mean, why wouldn't you call on it? You'd be stupid not to call on it particularly given your position on the ladder. 0457 736 736. That is the text line number. Julian King on High Ground.